Well, hello, everyone. My name is J.B. Hickson with NBW Ministries, proclaiming the clear, accurate, and urgent gospel message from my studio beneath the sky, tucked away under the tall timbers here in Colorado. We're starting a new week this week. It is Monday, February the 19th, 2024. Thank you so much for joining us. We've got a new guest that I've just gotten to know, uh, and look forward to introducing uh, Scott Huckabee here in uh, just a few moments. Uh, really excited about the topic we're going to have on the on the uh, slate for today. Uh, but a couple quick announcements. As you know, we've been talking about this for several weeks now. Wendy and I start our journey for our springtime uh, speaking uh, tour. We'll be down in Georgia, Florida, Texas. Um, just really looking forward to some great events there. We covet your prayers for safe travel as we head out. Uh, Brooke and some of the other kids will be joining us for part of the trip. They'll be flying into Orlando for the Orlando Prophecy Summit. But just praying that the Lord will use the messages that He's laid on my heart to strengthen the faith of believers and to uh, call unbelievers to faith uh, as they hear the gospel. And uh, just praying that, uh, you know, just praying that uh, all the travel would go well, no issues with car trouble, and uh, all of the, uh, you know, itinerary would come together nicely. So we appreciate your prayers for that. Uh, we had a great day at, of worship yesterday at Plum Creek Chapel. Many of you joined us by live stream. <clears throat> that message is posted. I think it's in the number one spot on the highlight carousel. We'll probably bump it to number two after we post today's podcast. But we talked about Satan's war against God's people from Second Thessalonians, uh, Second Thessalonians, no, First Thessalonians, chapter two. Excuse me, and uh, continuing my series there. And I hope you'll take the time to to watch that or listen to it. It's also on our podcast uh, channel. We want to remind you to keep in touch with us over the next few weeks through notbyworks.org. We still will have our daily podcast. Some of those will be uh, recorded live from the road. Some of those will be have been pre-recorded and will be posted uh, on the appropriate day. But lots of great guests coming up, uh, lots of great topics coming up, including today's topic. Uh, tomorrow, I'll have uh, Tom Hughes on with Hope for Our Times. Looking forward to catching up with uh, him on all things uh, prophetic. Later this week on Thursday, you don't want to miss Thursday's podcast with John Loeffler. I just recorded that Friday with him, and it is a doozy. We're talking about collapsing narratives and the Luciferian quest for control. And John is one of the smartest guys I know. He's got his finger on the pulse and has for over 30 years with Steel on Steel Radio. He's retired now, but he still graciously comes on our program uh, when requested. I think this is the third time he's been on the show. But that's a powerful uh, episode I really enjoyed and learned from talking with him. And that'll air on Thursday. Friday, we've got Dr. Nathan Jones from Lamb and Lion on talking about a glimpse at the hereafter. And then, of course, our weekly world events update will be Wednesday this week. That one will be recorded from the road. I'll be in my hotel room making my way down to Atlanta. So I know you'll enjoy that discussion with Randy as we do uh, every week. Well, our verse for the day before we bring Scott on is from Proverbs 19, verse 23. The fear of the Lord leads to life, and he who has it will abide in satisfaction. He will not be visited with evil. Remember, evil in the Hebrew Old Testament often just means trouble, difficulty, trials. It doesn't necessarily connote moral evil, although it can depending on the context. But basically what uh, we are reminded here is the fear of the Lord, which makes, means taking God into account in all of life, seeing uh, life through the lens of God's Word and recognizing there is a God, you are not Him, and, and trusting Him every step of the way. When you have that kind of fear of the Lord, uh, first of all, you're going to be satisfied, and second of all, 
there's not going to be any uh, grave trouble that will overcome you. Not necessarily means that doesn't mean that life's going to be a bed of roses necessarily, but it just means that because your eyes are fixed on the Lord, whatever happens, you're going to see through a spiritual lens, and it won't cause you to panic. It won't cause you to dread. It'll you'll recognize that somehow, some way, God is working all of it together according to His uh, sovereign plan. So I hope that encourages you today. It encourages uh, me as I uh, remember to. Uh, fear the Lord. Sometimes it's easy to get distracted by all of the uh, cares of life, especially at a time like this when we're loading the trailer, getting things ready to go, thinking about all the messages that I have to be prepared, wanting to be uh, on my best and 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 really used of the Lord, and yet also having to think more than usual about logistics and travel. And I'm just reminded to to rest in the Lord and to fear the Lord, and that will lead to great satisfaction. All right, with that, I'm excited to bring on uh, Scott Huckabee. Now, let me tell you a little bit about how Scott and I interacted. Like uh, like often, I get uh, emails from folks uh, with positive and negative and sometimes constructive uh, comments or questions, and uh, Scott emailed me, and he had just some great thoughts about the concept of Christians and elections and, and what role we should be playing in uh, the political process. And I was really struck with the amount of research that he had done and his viewpoint. Uh, he's got some great insights here. We may not necessarily agree on every jot and tittle. I don't necessarily agree with myself half the time, I think, but uh, but it's still a very excellent stuff. So Scott is out in uh, West Texas, in Alpine, Texas, about two hours or so from Midland, and about, I think he said, three hours uh, east of uh, El Paso. Uh, so right there, kind of at the opening to where you would head off west to go to Big Bend National Park. Um, and I know that area fairly well. My wife's a West Texas uh, girl. and uh, But anyway, he leads a Bible study uh, called Big Bend Bible Fellowship that's dedicated to Bible prophecy. Um, when he's not leading the Bible study, he's uh, a part of the Alpine Bible Church group. His group's not necessarily a church, a standalone church. It's more of a Bible study. But they are doing the Lord's work down there, and I'm really excited to bring on Scott today to talk about when elections become selections, how should Christians respond? Uh, Scott, welcome to the program. Oh, thank you, JB. I uh, sure appreciate you having me on. I love talking about these kinds of things. And this is uh, one of the deep dive topics that we had in our Bible study. We actually discussed it last night because our um, uh, Texas, we have uh, the early voting beginning on Tuesday, tomorrow, here in Texas. Yes. Yeah, and that's, uh, do they vote by mail in Texas, or you still show up? They they <laughs> do, but it's a little bit more restrictive in Texas, that you're, you're required to make arrangements well in advance and get your, get your uh, paperwork in, in enough time to be counted on the official election day, which is uh, March 5th, I believe. It's early March. Okay, okay. So none of this midnight pausing of the counting while they dump truckloads of ballots in under cover of darkness, right? Uh, they still use electric electronic voting machines, and they you can opt to vote by paper ballot, but it's still scanned in. So yeah. uh, it's still electronically counted, even if it's a paper ballot. Now, you uh, you commented in the article that you wrote, which, by the way, if folks wanted to get a copy of that, can they get that at BigBendBibleFellowship.com? Yes, I've got archived up there. It's called Interesting News. There's a section, and every week we have a, a deep dive topic, and it's already been posted up there. And so uh, you can see the, the interesting, it's one. It's in the section of Bible studies. And I've got a lot of Bible studies up there. 
um, where there's, I ask questions and it's my answers uh, that I give, and that's my notes essentially. So they get, uh, anybody who wants to do a Bible study is free to just download my notes and um, they will, may want to add their own comments, but it's, I think it's a, that's why I put it up there is to have a resource for people who want to lead Bible studies on uh, prophetic topics. Great. So bigbendbiblefellowship.com. Folks, mark that down, bigbendbiblefellowship.com. Check out the resources there, including this article called Elections slash Selections. Now, uh, I know as a if I was a good interviewer and a good host, I would have really done my homework about this next question I'm going to ask you, but we have just been so swamped trying to keep up with the demands of NBW Ministries and also preaching and teaching at Plum Creek Chapel and our daily podcasts and travel, and those are all excuses, but hopefully I've whined enough about my excuses that you give me some grace here for not doing a better job preparing. But I assume uh, that you are coming from a pre-trib, pre-mill dispensational perspective. Absolutely. I mean, um, um, I did a lot of research. That's what Bible prophecy is what led me to Christ. And um, consequently, I did a lot of study on the different viewpoints. And it was obvious that the most the the, the most correct viewpoint taken the Bible the most literally is pre-trip, um, pre-millennial uh, perspective. And so much of Christians uh, who have any other perspective, they are all messed up on Bible prophecy. Well, I would tend to agree for sure, yeah. And uh, for those who may be joining us or are not you know, really conversant in some of the uh, lingo of, of end times Bible prophecy, of course, dispensationalism just means we believe to a consistent, literal, grammatical, uh, historical approach of Scripture. We hold to that handling of Scripture, that just as the prophecies related to Christ's first advent came true literally uh, to the day in some cases, uh, the prophecies related to His return will come true literally, that we don't spiritualize the text or make it out to be some big giant metaphor or symbolism. We don't bring our uh, presuppositions to the text. We try to consistently let the text speak for itself. And in doing so, that necessarily leads us to the conclusion that there's a distinction between God's program for Israel and God's program for the church. The church has not replaced Israel. God has a future for national Israel that includes a rebuilt temple from which Christ will rule and reign with a rod of iron uh, for uh, in perfect peace and righteousness, uh, as Ezekiel uh, describes and, and many other Old Testament prophets. So, uh, so coming from that perspective, you, you know, I, I looked at your article, I noticed you... Uh, you first cite a, a friend of mine and a frequent guest on our program, Leo Homan. Now, Leo, of course, a full disclosure, he's not pre-trib, but that's okay. He's an incredible researcher, and, a, and we, we really value his work on the just the decline of America and the fake left-right paradigm and all of those things. Uh, and we, I respect him immensely, even though he maybe arrives at a different view of the rapture. Uh, his He's not a theologian, he'll tell you that. That's not his primary focus. He's just a man who loves the Lord and tries to, like we all do, interpret uh, all of these geopolitical events. But anyway, I was really uh, in intrigued to see you cite his article there, and he and many others have been talking about how soon, if the globalists get their way, elections, in national elections, will be a thing of the past. Uh, wh what do you think about that? Well, I mean, the, you're already using technology today, and um, and that's caused a lot of the problems in distrusting elections. Well, Leo Holman's article, he pointed out, he was quoting uh, Klaus Schwab, which said that uh, elections uh, may not be 
necessary with artificial intelligence because we know how people are going to vote. And <laughs> so I was thinking, well, hey, they're already hiding, having to hide the fixing of elections is, is, is hard business. So if they can figure out a way to do away with that, I mean, I can see why uh, the technocrats would want to do that. Yep. Amen. Yeah. And, and we talk certainly about technocracy in my latest book of Spirit of the False Prophet, Rise of the Global Technocracy. And if you haven't uh, checked that out, you can check it out at spiritofthefalseprophet.org. That's spiritofthefalseprophet.org. So yeah, they they definitely think they can read our minds. In fact, uh, you know, maybe that they're already doing it because I know there were uh, uh, thousands, if not millions of people that uh, uh, voted uh, for Trump in the last election, and lo and behold, they discovered later they really voted for Biden. So I don't know, I don't know what to make of that. But uh, so the question, and, and let me kind of be uh, try to summarize the, the 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 topic at hand as best I can, and then get your take on it. So, folks who followed our ministry know that I I can tend to be a little bit uh, snide and cynical. I definitely, from the research that I've done over the last 17 or 18 years, even going back to my first book on this subject, which was in 2012 called The Great Last Day's Deception, I've been aware of huge gaping problems with the digital vote tabulation machines, such as Dominion, but it's by no means the only one, um, that essentially uh, mean that in many cases, when they want to, with a flip of a button or a few keystrokes, they can literally uh, manipulate uh, the vote, which means that we as Americans are, actually don't have a voice in those instances. But I want to be clear that I certainly don't think this is a uh, sort of a monolithic problem where every election is rigged, even every election at the uh, na national level, because as you talked about a moment ago, every state's a little bit different. They they make their own rules. They handle things a little bit differently. Some are better than others. So I'm not suggesting when I when I talk like that, even though it may come across that way, because I tend to be so, again, somewhat cynical about the system. I'm not suggesting that every person in America, when they vote in the presidential elections every four years, that somehow their vote uh, is, is rigged. Uh, but I am saying that the uh, Luciferian elite have for many years, this is well documented, many elections, controlled the elections. And that's why I have said over and over again that these are selections, not elections. So your research here, which is outstanding, basically dives into the issue of sort of so what, or now what? What, what? what do we do? So that's why we're calling this, how should Christians respond? Uh, kind of, I'm going to yield the mic here for a little bit, let you sort of make the case of, of in troubling times like this, when so much of this is patently and provably fake, uh, what role should Christians play? Well, ultimately, uh, God's going to hold each of us accountable to how we vote. And uh, I think he wants us to vote. He wants us to be engaged politically. And I know you agree with that. Um, I mean, we, we pray for uh, our um, uh, our leadership and, and First Timothy too. And so that means we have to be engaged. And um, I think that the church today plays a role uh, working with the Holy Spirit in as in his role, his ministry as restrainer of evil. And so one of the ways that we can restrain evil is by voting in such a way that uh, evil is is not uh, not as bad as it would be otherwise if we didn't vote. Um, the another thing is that Christians are God's representatives on earth and uh, as such um, we need to be regarded as good citizens and one of the ways that 
people are regarded as good citizens is that they do vote. Matter of fact, in some places like Australia, they even fine you if you don't vote, right? So the next thing is that it's a matter of good stewardship. Not everybody has the opportunity to vote. And I think that if you don't use it, you lose it. Um, we should be voting uh, because uh, it's a it's a gift. It says in First Peter four ten, as each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So we we are exercising stewardship by voting as good citizens. And the last thing is, I think that uh, that voting can improve humanity because uh, godless leaders cause humanity suffer. And if enough Christians pray and vote, God can, God will, uh, he will recognize that and make use of that to improve humanity. Yeah, I think those are all uh, great points. Uh, I think every situation is slightly different. You do always need to be sensitive to how you are viewed, your testimony, as you uh, reminded us there. Um, you know, in many parts of this country, people are still waking up to the fact that the elect the national election system is is rigged and, and controlled. Uh, I do find it interesting, and I talked about this with Alex Newman uh, recently, uh, and and on uh, when I had Pete Garcia on, we both had some good dialogue. I had some good dialogue with both of them. But the the uh, I find it interesting that you know everybody seems to know. Uh, that the 2020 election was rigged. It was the most blatant example of a stolen yep. election that we have. And yet nothing's changed. And yep. in spite of the outcry in 2020, sadly, many Christians, almost like uh, Stepford wives, are sort of lining right back up to, to repeat the same thing. And the definition of lunacy is to continue to do the same thing and expect different results. But that said, I do think that a large segment of the population in general really isn't aware of just how rigged the system is. And therefore, if you were, let's say, if I were to say to to someone in a, you know, just in, while I'm having a conversation in line at the coffee shop, well, I don't vote, you know, I just think it's rigged. That could be, that could be a bad reputation, bad, bad testimony, right? It could make them not having the knowledge that I have uh, wonder. Now, I want to be clear that I do, and I've said this repeatedly for years, I do believe that uh, unless and until a person comes to discover that the ab that there's absolutely no uh, hope in in their vote counting, uh, you know I think you should absolutely vote. I I do believe in voting. I just don't believe in pretend voting. And we'll get more into that here in a moment. But as you as you said, it's 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 something to consider your testimony. Um, as far as being a matter of good stewardship, as I read that article. And, and again, I, I think everyone has to come to their own conclusion and seek the Lord. And boy, you nailed it right off the bat, Scott. Number one is pray. There's more than one way to engage in our uh, country. And even in the voting process, you ought to vote on everything down to your HOA members, to your mm -hmm. you know your school board, to your municipalities, to your local government. As, as much as you can make a difference where your votes are legitimate, you ought to be in, engaged in that. But as far as Good stewardship. I'm reminded, and and you may have uh, heard this story too. But you know, pretend voting kind of reminds me of the devout Christian and his cat. Uh, maybe you've heard this story. Each day, the Christian man would 
spend some time alone reading the Word of God, praying, personal devotion time, very important to him, very spiritually mature man. It loved his time alone with God. And he would do this in his bedroom. It was the quietest room in the house. He loved this quiet time, but unfortunately, so did his cat. And his cat would always rub up against him and purr and distract him. So eventually, the man began tying the cat to the bedpost while he was having his devotions. Well, over the years, the man's daughter, she would poke her head into the, the man's master bedroom there and notice him praying, and it was setting a good example. And and she, she learned from that, and she too uh, implemented a meditation time of her own, and, and she would begin every morning in her room as an adult praying. And like her father, she would tie her cat to the bedpost to keep it from distracting her. But, you know, life was a little busier. Her prayer time and meditation time was far shorter, uh, but she still uh, proceeded to do it. You get to the third generation, and this daughter's son grew up, and he was very busy. He was a believer, but he had a one-hour commute to work. His pace of life is quickened. He needed to work harder. His house payments were much larger than his mother's or his grandfather's. So he simply didn't have time uh, for devotions. But in keeping with the tradition, dutifully every day while getting dressed, he would tie his cat to the bedpost. And so I kind of feel like at some point, when we when we step back outside of America and look at God's world as a whole, there are clearly nations that are not free and that you, you don't have the right to vote, or you do, but it's patently controlled, uh, say North Korea, China, um, Iran, and in those cases, I, I think Christians that live there certainly understand that it would be a colossal waste of time and energy to pretend to vote. Uh, and I, I guess what I'm saying is, is America headed down that path? Are we at a point where, though we think of the, this as being our father's country, you know, like our father's Oldsmobile, and we, we've always had such an incredible privilege and, uh, uh, you know, um, obligation to vote? What happens when, as Leo Homan writes, that is no longer uh, you know, possible and it's patently provable that it's not? I'm not saying we're there yet as a whole, but let's say we get there. Aren't we just tying the cat to the bedpost? Uh, is it really a matter of stewardship at that point? Well, I mean, again, uh, we're God evaluates us on on what we do with what we know. And uh and so uh, I think that, and, and as you mentioned, the elections aren't always just the presidential, you know, like in the Texas primary, we got state uh, offices and of course, you know, Senate and, and, uh, and in local offices as well. So, I mean, if you're going to go vote, you're going to go vote on those. And, and I guess you could say, well, I'm not, I'm not going to bother to vote on the presidential because we know it's, it's all fixed. Yeah, we know it's all fixed. Um, and I think a lot of times we can hope that if there's overwhelming uh, support for a candidate, it could make a difference, even in the midst of uh, of uh, crazy fraudulent voting or uh, fraud, massive fraud that we know that happened in 2020. Uh, and they're going to they're going to roll that massive fraud out again in 2024. Mm. Um, the I, I think that it's possible if there's enough support to actually vote and make a difference. The, yeah. uh, I, th I, I disagree a little bit with you on 2016. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't necessarily think that uh, Trump was a um, was controlled opposition. Uh, I think he caught the Luciferian elite by surprise. 
because there was enough support at that time for someone who was not business as usual. And, mm -hmm. uh, and I think that you can see the vitriol that happened after that as evidence that, that that was the case. And then, and you can see all the shenanigans going, running up to this uh, 2024 election. And uh, it, it, the, I think the fraud is going to just be over the top this year. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I, I want <clears throat> to reflect on that for just a moment, because I definitely agree with you on that reason for voting. And, and that may be reason enough, frankly, in spite of the fact that the presidential elections are rigged. But I do want to uh, comment on 2016. And I, I respect your view. And I, I have many people that hold that view. And I actually held it at, at first until I saw them roll out the pre-planned control of virus scandemic, which I've dedicated 50 pages to in Spirit of the Antichrist, Volume 1. And we have multiple 15 or 20 smoking gun evidences that it was pre-planned for 22 years in advance. So then it all began to be clear. So first of all, my my premise is, based on my research, all of the elections since we went to digital vote tabulation have been controlled, all of them. So 2016 was no uh, no exception. And, and again, I would just encourage folks to study that for themselves and come to their own conclusion. But then the evidence speaks for itself, because we know they were wanting to roll out the pandemic and the death shots. They knew they wanted to shut down churches for the first time since Constantine. They knew that if they put Hillary in there, there's no way Christians would obey the edict to stop worshiping Jesus in your churches. And so I feel like it just makes sense when you look at all the evidence that he was controlled. And he he put, I'm not saying he was a witting party to it. In fact, my best guess remains that he wasn't, that he... Yeah, I agree. That there was a populist uh, uprising. Uh, they they may have at some point in their journey, they being the Luciferians, intended for Hillary to be their man, so to speak. Um, but then they pivoted when they saw the populist uprising. But mm -hmm. I, I have no doubt uh, they you don't surprise the Luciferian elite. That's the thing that people really have struggled to understand. They don't want to realize just how powerful this evil cabal working at the best of Satan is. And you know, they uh, I, I absolutely believe that they controlled that election. Now I equally believe, let's get to 2024, 20, uh, having used him for their means that they needed, which were huge. It wasn't just rolling out all the draconian measures and useless laws to see how easily they could pull one over on the American public. It was the death shot. That was a big, big mm -hmm. part of it. And he is still out there defending that, by the way. Um, but once they were done with him, uh, then they put in Biden, who's a placeholder, just basically a body in a seat that they completely ignore and do what they want. And they're really advancing in a powerful way, as we see with the borders and things like that, the Luciferian agenda, much the same way they advanced it for eight years under Obama. But they're through with him. They do not want Trump in there again. That's my <clears throat> firm uh, belief. And I uh, had Joel Skousen on last week, and he said he doesn't think there's any way they're going to let Trump win. <clears throat> so that brings us to your your advice here, which I think is is worthwhile. Given that, given we, that, that well, let me, let me say it this way. If we take for granted, and I know some people may not agree with this, that the system is rigged and that with a few keystrokes, they can change the outcome. The nature of how they change the outcome is not unimportant. It's it's it is critical because the the means by which they change it is by manipulating the results on a server somewhere so that what's presented is different from what actually happened. Well, mm -hmm. the more of a landslide 
you know, you have going into an election where it's obvious to anyone with a brain that one candidate is overwhelmingly going to defeat the other, then even though they can still change it, then it becomes a real problem for them because no one's going to believe it. Essentially, yeah. that's what's happened in 2020, frankly, but it, it could be even worse now. So I think for that reason alone, especially if you're going to vote anyway in in elections that do matter, the low, lower level elections, as long as you're there, absolutely cast your vote for the, 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 the candidate that you believe best represents a biblical worldview, and, and then to make it harder on these Luciferians to pull one over on us. Do you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. I think it's, uh, um, uh, I forget who it was, one of your earlier podcasts, you were interviewing somebody. Rick Santorum, I, I mentioned that conversation. Yeah. Is, that, is that what you're talking about? Yeah, where where he, where he was, uh, he said that, well, we got to win by 20, 10%. Yep, that was it. Yeah. And so um, that that's why I think we can be part of that 10% if we, uh, if we vote. And, uh, and I think that there's a, there's an opportunity there uh, to to actually make a difference. And irregardless of even that, God knows our heart and he is going to he is going to see that we are uh, being faithful to the gift we have, being faithful to our uh, stewardship of, as citizens and uh, and making a choice that honors that most honors him. And uh, and he is going to I mean, I, I, there'll be rewards for for following through on that faithfulness, I believe. Amen. Yeah, no, I I would agree with that for sure. And um, yeah, the conversation was with Rick Santorum back in 2016 when he was uh, one of the Republican candidates back when they still had about 15 or 17. It was right when uh, Rick Perry dropped out and soon after that Mike Huckabee dropped out. But I got a chance to talk to all of those guys. Uh, and uh, yeah, he, he blatantly told me, and there were witnesses, uh, that you know, yeah, there were elections are essentially rigged, and you got to win by ten percent or more because you got to account for that rigging of the of the vote. So that's just more evidence that everybody knows it's rigged. Even the insiders know it's rigged, but you know, it's it's still uh, not an exact science. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, I think twenty twenty. One of the reasons I think it's such a sign of the times is that the Luciferians are losing their grip. More and more people are waking up. It's becoming harder and harder for them to accomplish their goals. And and by the way, let me just interject, because I know you feel the same way. When we talk about these things, it goes without saying that we understand God is sovereign, God's in control, He's the ultimate arbiter of the timetable. Nothing the Luciferians can do can contravene God's plan. But we also know that right now, God is working out His plan leading up to a tyrannical rule led by the Antichrist and false prophets. So uh, certainly God could do anything, but if if we play the well, God is sovereign card, so that's why we need to vote. Well, frankly, God is sovereign, and you don't need to vote. <laughs> you know, if God is sovereign, He can do anything whether whether we vote or not. Which, which you know, I'm not saying you shouldn't vote necessarily. I'm just you know taking that argument to its logical extreme. But <clears throat> so let's assume for the rest of our discussion that you know for the reasons you've enumerated, and there are more. Again, I encourage folks to go to BigBendBibleFellowship.com and download the article on uh, selections and elections. But let's assume that. For a variety of reasons, you know, we're we're going to to vote. Now, let's talk about in in the presidential election. I mean, let's talk about some principles that I have have, have kind of been echoing for years, even before I came to realize just how uh, you know broken the system is with the digital vote tabulation. Um, <clears throat> I would 
I've written about the lesser of two evils concept, and I don't, I'm not sure I agree. I think that's what they want us to think. They want us to think it's either Coke or Pepsi, and mm -hmm. uh, choose your pick. And so we begin with that premise, and then we basically say, you know, do we want strychnine or do we want arsenic? You know, pick your poison, right? Um, what would you say to the 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 using the, the story of uh, David and his son or uh, Jesse and his sons and Samuel selecting the king? And, you know, he paraded all the usual suspects in front of him, the strong, strapling, ideal candidates, the ones you would expect to be the winners. And uh, each time uh, they were rejected. And then he goes, you got anybody else? And Jesse goes, well, I got this old, weak, young shepherd boy out, you know, shoveling sheep poop in the in the fields. But surely he's not the one. And lo and behold, that was who God wanted. So if we're going to vote... Why should we feel constrained to vote for one of the two establishment candidates, or should we? Well, no, that's a good question. I think that um, uh, there's the realities of the choices involved, and you know that some of the candidates that are uh, that are put forward have no chance at all of of being voted in, and so uh, I mean that's part the realities of uh, who who is a legitimate. Uh, candidate that could possibly win, I think that goes into the equation as well. Why, and, why, why not let God decide that? I mean, if we're going to, well, ultimately, because he will. my my view is neither neither nobody we vote has a chance to win. It's whoever they want to select. It's selections, not elections. And we're saying you're saying, well, but we should vote anyway because give God a chance. Well, why not give God a chance with a third party candidate? Um. That that uh, could be a factor. A third party candidate could indeed be a factor in uh, in in God's uh, putting in there who He wants in there, and He's going to ultimately do that no matter what we do, mm -hmm. whether we vote or don't vote, um, who we vote for. One of our one of our um, Bible study participants last night said, "Well, I was afraid I, I might vote inadvertently for the Antichrist." And <laughs> so I right. mean, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've often thought that the Antichrist could well end up being somebody who is a conservative uh, nationalist representing himself as that and not really being what he represents himself to be, because that's a that's kind of modus operandi for many politicians is misrepresenting who they really are. Uh, again, God's going to evaluate us but on the basis of what we know. And as much as we can be informed and... Uh, and check people out and look at other multiple sources, just like we would discern whether a news report is 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 true or fake news or propaganda. We need to uh, we need the spiritual discernment on that, and we need to do our research. and uh, And I think that God is going to evaluate us based on what we know and how we made a decision based on what we know. Yeah, well said. I, I I think you're right about that. You know, I, I think the reason I chafe so hard at the lesser of two evils concept is it goes back to my understanding of the false left-right paradigm that Carol ah. Foley exposed and the fact that they're really trying to force us into this mindset of it's us or them when really there's not a dime's worth of difference between Republicans and Democrats. There is at the philosophical level and the platform level, no doubt ah. we would resonate with the with the Republican platform. But nothing ever seems to change. They don't uphold it uh, at all. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like uh, Alex Newman <clears throat> um, 
mentioned on my show, he said he was quite disappointed that when Trump was in office and we controlled both houses of Congress and had a majority of conservatives on the Supreme Court, yeah. uh, they didn't know, you know, they didn't uh, you know make abortion illegal. Uh, yeah. And by the way, the overturning of Roe v. Wade, as I've talked about, uh, was not a good thing the way they did it. They basically enshrined the fact that unborn children are not U.S. citizens because uh, the Constitution, by definition, says that every human being has the right to life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. They can only defer to the states what is not already enshrined in the U.S. Constitution. So by deferring to the states when and how you can kill your babies, the, the Supreme Court was saying unborn children do not have the right to life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. So mm -hmm. I, I discussed that in... Uh, Spirit of the Antichrist, Volume Two, but um, but yeah, I mean, going back to the the third party candidate deal, I I'm not suggesting we vote for a third party. I think RFK Jr. is not a viable candidate either. But I guess what I would ask you, and you've you've put a lot of thought and study into this, so I'd be curious how you would counsel someone here. Suppose you know the both of the candidates on the ticket, uh, you examine them. And and they're both evil. I mean, you even talk about the lesser of two evils, so it's sort of yeah. admitting that we've got two evil candidates. But at what point does the evil of either candidate, uh, you know, go to the point where you say no thanks? Like you you would be morally obligated not to vote for either of them. Suppose wow. one candidate said, you know, if you elect me president, I'm going to kill all children ten years old and younger. And right, the other right. said. If you elect me, I'm going to kill only those that are eight years old and younger. So who would we who would we vote? I mean, it's I see my point. I'm being ridiculous, but you know, yeah. at what point are we morally obligated to reject both candidates? Well, I think if the candidates are, are overtly doing something that is let's uh, make you go against uh, God, uh, is 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 a good gauge. You know, it's the old question of uh, at what point do you exercise civil disobedience. Well, I mean, when the government tells you not to meet, uh, you know, I think that calls for civil disobedience because mm -hmm. God says not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I think it's the same kind of one of the I was called on the carpet over saying in, in elections past that I'm voting for the lesser of the evils. Very similar to how you're you're calling me out on that right now. Um, <laughs> The, the point is, it's hyperbole, right? The yeah, evils, sure. it's not pure evil, right? It's uh, its basically choosing between two undesirable candidates. So the, 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 the thought process that goes into that is the one that's going to do the least damage, the one that's going to be the least undesirable, to use a, a double uh, negative there. But uh, yeah, you, I mean, yeah, neither one of them is really evil. Yeah. It's we just know. picking the one that's that's going to do the least damage to the to the country to the to the public. Yeah, good point. I mean, it's afraid the lesser two evils is sort of a metaphor for the you've got two undesirable options. Pick pick one, you know, uh, as best you can. Uh, but you know, it it is still worth noting that there is a point at which, as I illustrated yeah, in my ridiculous example, where you go, no thanks. I mean, if you if you sit down to eat at a restaurant. And you order a, let's say, a glass of water, and the waitress, or the server says, uh, "I'm sorry, all we have is Coca-Cola or Pepsi," and you go, "Well, I'm sorry, I don't like high fructose corn syrup. I'll just take water." And they go, "Nope, sorry, you got to pick one." I yeah. mean, 
walk out. <laughs> you're going to walk out. Right. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, I think that's a good point. And again, as you said, and, and I really appreciate the way you come back to this a couple of times, it's each believer really needs to, uh, you know, follow the prompting of the Holy spirit, you know, do the mm -hmm. research, look into this and, and then, and then, you know, vote their conscience and vote their heart. And if you believe that, you know, both candidates, neither one may be desirable, but neither one, you know, crosses that threshold of being uh, morally evil, then then sure, you can you can choose the less desirable uh, one. So, yeah. So as we go into 2024, now let's get into the realm of speculation a bit. Um, how do you see it playing out? Well, I tell you what, I have no idea. I think that uh, something spectacular is going to happen. I think we are living in prophetic times, and uh, we know that the, the the Luciferian elite at the World Economic Forum are really uh, watching what's going on in this country. And uh, I and I agree I, with you. I don't think that um, they could handle a nationalist like Trump at this stage of things coming into power. Mm -hmm. So something is going to have to happen to keep that from happening. And I don't know what it is. Uh, I was just working on a deep dive. Um, um, I think there's going to be a major economic uh, crisis where they'll be implementing the uh, the uh, central bank digital currencies. And I mean, anything could trigger that economic crisis. And, mm -hmm. you know, I could see them how they did with the pan pandemic and the elections in 2020, kind of whatever that crisis is, making it something that... Uh, that would cause that would trigger this economic crisis that would also have value for them is to disrupt the elections. And, um, and, you know, it, it could be any number of things. They really want war in the country, in the world. And um, they, it could be disease X. So there's a number of things that they could use that would, would trigger um, uh, an economic crisis and also have value for them to disrupt the election. So. Yeah, I agree. It's uh, they have a lot of tools and weapons in their arsenal. Um, so as we think about the 2024 election, I think most people agree with what you and I have, have said, that there's no way they're going to let Trump in again. Um, we could be wrong, obviously. I mean, uh, there is a scenario out there whereby they bring him in <clears throat> and then the, you know, all of the progressives and liberals begin to do like BLM begin to do some more of their peaceful protests and the world, you know, the country hurdles into chaos and civil unrest. I mean, that that's always possible, but my best guess is that there's no way they want him in. So how can they prevent that? Well, as you said, they could have some type of unfreezing event that preempts the election so that there is no election. Uh, and this gets into what we said earlier about how much harder it is to steal an election when you're stealing it from a candidate who, by all metrics, is head and shoulders more popular than the other guy. I mean, it's mm -hmm. like, it, there's just no question about it. So they could do that. They could also have this, the controlled Supreme Court. Uh, it make him ineligible. That's still an open question. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, in other words, it hasn't been officially resolved. So then he, they take him off the ballot. Uh, they could just do a conventional steal you know, like they do, they, no matter what the votes actually counted come up to, they announce that Biden or whoever it ends up being wins. Um, mm -hmm. They could, um, you know, they could, they could remove, you know, they, Trump, if he is, in, you know, ruled ineligible, they could put somebody else in there. 
uh, and put somebody else in for Biden. And it could be, I mean, we got a lot of time. We've got what, you know, seven, eight months. Am I doing the math right? November. So we got eight or nine months. Uh, anything could happen. Everyone's talking Trump, Biden, Trump, Biden. It could be two completely different candidates when yeah. it comes. So, but one thing seems certain that if we do have an election and, uh, you know, even though they're using the same digital vote tabulation machines, if it ends up being Trump, and I'm not in full disclosure, our, our listeners know I'm not a fan of Trump. Uh, I would personally not vote for Trump because of his views on abortion and pornography and being best friends with, uh, you know, Hugh Hefner and uh, being, uh, you know, connected to Jeffrey Epstein. In fact, Fox News had a show, uh, had a, a picture of him. They got caught editing out Jeffrey Epstein from a photo of Trump and Melania. Uh, so, I mean, there's all kinds of connections there that really give me pause as a believer. But that's my personal conviction. Um, but if, if you know, if it's Trump versus Biden or Trump versus Newsom or Trump versus any of these other evil uh, people, I think if we want to make it harder on the elite to steal the election, then, yeah, you got to stack up the votes and make it less plausible when they say, oh, in a, in a narrow victory, you know, Newsom edged out Trump. I mean, the odds of that are are so slim. So, well, I really appreciate your, your heart and your perspective, and I, I really appreciate what you're doing there uh, in, in Alpine. Uh, for those who may be in that area, and I know it's kind of off the beaten track a bit, but uh, tell us a little bit more about your group and, uh, and, and how the people can get in touch with you. Well, I mean, the, for the website, bigbenbiblefellowship.com. And, um, and we, we meet right just, just outside the city limits uh, on Highway 118. And uh, you can't miss it. It's a little Spanish mission. And it's it looks like a historical building, but it's it was built in during our pandemic project. Uh, during the uh, 2020, we built it. And so, um, and we have a great group. I mean, we, uh, I, one of my... Um, uh, things I love to do. I've always led uh, adult Bible studies since uh, 19, uh, 1992, uh, a little after I got baptized. I've been leading adult Bible studies since then. And um, and I like asking a lot of questions to get a discussion going, right? And uh, and oftentimes we go off on tangents as the Spirit leads, but uh, bring us back. And I get a thrill whenever people come to the same kind of conclusions about things that I already have through my study. So that's the whole idea is to, to lead them down that path of discovery. And so it's a, it's a good discussion. And uh, we, um, we have a great group of people that love Bible prophecy because they're not going to get it in the churches. The churches don't talk about these things. And we're equipping one another to be more fluent in helping people see when you see the crazy stuff going on in this world, recognize that, Scripture already has talked about this, and uh, since I came to Christ as a result of God's prophetic word, I'm convinced that the times are right for many people to come to know the Lord because of what God has foretold in his word. So. Yeah, and so you said, we've got a little bit of time left, so I don't want to close it out <clears throat> quite too early, but you said in your what I read on your website— you came to faith as a result of the fall, or what I believe was the phony fall of the Soviet Union around yes. 1990 or so forth. Talk right. to us a little bit about that. Well, I'd been an Army officer, and uh, when I graduated, I went to ROTC and uh, got commissioned second lieutenant. Out of, I, I was an engineer, 
uh, electrical engineer, but um, I went in the army and I, I spent a lot of my time during the, the Cold War just expecting mm -hmm. this superpower standoff between the Soviets and the United States just to go on indefinitely. And then when the Berlin Wall came down, which was a symbol of the Cold War evaporating overnight, it was like, well, that just didn't make sense. I, I couldn't understand. It was very perplexing. At the time, my father-in-law had been married for a couple of years uh, to my wife, Teresa, and, and uh, he gave me a couple of books that I had read. That he, I read them because he, he loved Bible prophecy. One of the books was basically a commentary on the book of Daniel, and that impressed me about it, how systematically he went through. Who, and, who, who was that? Do you remember? Uh, Bloomfield, author okay. Bloomfield, okay. End of the Days. Is, are you familiar with that one? Uh, no, I'm not. I'm not familiar with that one. Well, I, the other book was your. I know you're familiar with is the uh, is um, Late Great Planet Earth by Hal Lindsey. So, mm -hmm. uh, but I had read that one, and then the the Bloomfield book after that, and the uh, especially the Nebuchadnezzar uh, statue prophecy, uh, and I mean it's just. It's history written in advance. I mean, you could, it's hard to deny that. And it made sense to me that, well, hey, you can't have this superpower standoff between the US and Soviet Union. That has to get resolved if all the world's going to come together as one. Hmm. And so I realized that, hey, the Bible really is, has to be from God because only God can declare the end from the beginning. And um, I realized it was, I was talking to my wife about something going on in the world. And it was like it, it was like a the classic light going off in the head. You need Jesus Christ in your life. And mm. it was like at that moment, I realized, man, wow. if I don't accept Christ in my life right now, <laughs> I'm doomed. And wow. so it was my born again uh, experience. And I, I started uh, reading the Bible and studying the scriptures. And uh, I've always had a had a soft place in my heart for Bible prophecy because it's what helped me realize that God's word is true. It's from him. Mm. And uh, it couldn't be just from men as I had been taught and expected, you know, being raised in the church and even. Wow. Uh, so. Yeah, I mean, it's it's amazing how God uses Bible prophecy, which is his word. You know, mm -hmm. says, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And 16% of the Bible is unfulfilled Bible prophecy, roughly speaking. And so, you know, God again and again uses Bible prophecy to bring people to the faith like he did you. And so, you know, that happened... Uh, Again, with with the 9-11, uh, it happened with 2020, it yeah. happened with all of these major events that get people thinking in terms of the end of life as we know it, and mm -hmm. the Spirit of God uses that to draw people uh, to Him. And so if you're listening to this program right now, let me just uh, hasten to mention that uh, you know, everyone on earth is a sinner, and that sin has a steep penalty. It, it separates us from a holy God. If you die uh, in that uh, uh, state of sin, you will spend eternity in a literal place of torment called hell. But God has provided a remedy. Uh, he sent his Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ, to the earth to live a perfect, holy, sinless life, to die on the cross, taking my sins and your sins and the sins of all mankind upon him. Uh, he paid that penalty, paid in full by his shed blood. He defeated death, hell, and the grave when he rose the next, the third day. And then he offers freely to all the forgiveness of sin and eternal life. Uh, but you have to accept it. It's not automatic. Uh, in the same way that we have free will and chose to rebel against a holy God, God uh, requires us to receive that free gift, which you do simply by trusting in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, 
who died and rose again to pay your personal penalty for sin. So I hope you'll do that today. And uh, for those of you that already know the Lord, I want to encourage you to uh, to check out uh, uh, the book of Daniel, as uh, Scott was mentioning. Uh, you know, I'm going to be speaking this coming weekend at uh, North Star Family Church there in Flowery Branch, Georgia. That's just north of Atlanta. It's actually where the Atlanta Falcons training camp is located, if you're an NFL uh, fan. Um, but I'm going to be speaking Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And Saturday night, my message is entitled, Daniel, the Key to Understanding Bible Prophecy. And it really is uh, profound how Daniel lays out the course of events leading all the way up to the rise of the Antichrist and that final cosmic battle at Armageddon when Christ comes back triumphant. So, uh, so Scott, thanks so much for being with us. Any closing thoughts? Anything you'd like to share? Well, I just appreciate the opportunity to chat with you. I've, uh, uh, I've enjoyed your books. I listen to more of your podcasts than anybody else's. And so it was it's just amazing to be able to see you face to face here and, and hold like have a conversation with you. Well, you are kind and, and gracious to, to be willing to do it. And, you know, it, honestly, I, I can't say that my motives were 100 percent pure because I, I wanted to have this discussion in earnest to show our listeners uh, that sometimes the little comments I make here or there that might lead someone to think that I'm anti-voting. Uh, I'd like to, I wanted to have the opportunity to nuance it, and hopefully we've done that today with your help. Uh, and you've got some great uh, resources. And so again, folks, uh, go to Big Bend Bible Fellowship. Uh, .com, BigBendBibleFellowship.com, and uh, you can follow the links there to find some of his Bible studies, and he's given us, given you permission to download them, use them, study them, and and uh, and reteach them as the Lord leads. So, Scott, we may uh, call on you again and have you back on as things evolve this uh, year, and love to get your take on it. And um, I love that. And, I'll be listening to find uh, some, some topics that you might... Uh might want to focus on here yeah there's some other topics that need some some clarity yeah any anytime you hear something you definitely uh let me know because i i appreciate your heart and appreciate your ministry there out in uh in west texas so uh so folks uh, uh tune in again uh, tomorrow uh of course wendy and i uh, will be on the road but uh we are going to be posting our interview with Tom Hughes that uh, I'm actually recording today. So tomorrow, Tuesday, you can uh, listen to Tom and I talk about 2024 so far. <laughs> what, what, what's happening as we're now a month and a half, almost two months into the year? Wednesday this week is Randy with World Events Update. Uh, Thursday, as I mentioned, John Loeffler, the collapsing narratives and the Luciferian quest for control. And then Friday, we'll end the week with just some encouragement with Dr. Nathan Jones from Lamb and Lion Ministries as we talk about a glimpse at the hereafter. Well, God bless everyone. Have a great rest of your Monday, and we will talk again soon.